This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Let's talk about impaired driving laws in our province right now. And fascinating story of a woman named Leanne Lowry who was told by the police that someone had seen her leave a restaurant after getting into a pickup truck and driving away after drinking. They came to her sister's home hours later and administered a breath test. Did you know the police can do that? What about the legalities of it? I'll tell you what, it's fascinating in the law around this. Let's talk about it now with my guest, Jerry Steele. He's a trial lawyer with Jeremy Carr and Associates in Victoria. I'm very pleased you can make the time. Jerry, thanks for coming on. Hi, Mike. Thanks for having me on the air with you. Thank you for coming on. Let's talk about your client, Leanne Lowry. Can you uh, just go back and just give us a sort of a Reader's Digest version here of what happened to her? Sure. Well, she contacted our office uh, after she was given an, an immediate roadside prohibition. And in this case, she had been out with her boyfriend at a pub. Uh, they were not there very long, and then they, they left and went home. So while she's at her house, she's consuming some alcohol by the pool. Now, she gets a call from the police that they have an urgent or pressing personal matter that they need to discuss with her. So she thinks that her something has happened to a family member or something terrible, uh, and the police showed up at her house, five of them showed up at her house, uh, and demanded that she provide a breath sample into one of those handheld roadside screening devices. And now, now the, the, the police give a time estimate, and, and from our understanding, they say an hour. It's more like after two hours she had been home. Uh, and the, the, the crazy thing about this, Mike, is the, the description didn't match. I mean, they, the person, it was an anonymous, apparently they had an anonymous tip, okay, with no verification, no, we, no, we have no idea where this tip came from or who it was. Uh, but yet they proceeded to demand that she provide a breast sample. And this is after she's been home and tells them that she's been drinking for, you know, had a couple beers over the last few hours. But they still proceed mm. with the breast sample anyway. Okay, uh, so she had been home for two hours. She had been drinking since she got home. And the police proceed to give her a breath test, and, and she failed the breath test. Is that correct? That's right. So she failed yeah. the breath test. And, and the, I mean, there was a video that was circulating online. You can see she was quite confused, and she's asking the police, you know, I don't understand what's going on here. Uh, and, and they're being quite aggressive with her. Uh, and then they, I mean, one of the more sinister aspects of this case is that at one point she asks for a second. They're, they're required to offer a second test on the machine. So she failed the first one. They, uh, they're required to give her a second one. She asks for a second one at one point, and they don't give it to her. Uh, they um, and they write in the reports and more and, it, and more than one place they write that um, that she did not request a second test, which they're required to do by law. Okay, what happened with her case? So she, our office, my office, Jen Taren did a fabulous job on the uh, on the appeal. We went to uh, Road Safety BC and we were successful in having it overturned because of the video. If she had not, she was uh, had the wherewithal to pull out her camera and her phone and start recording. And if we didn't have that, I don't think she would have been successful. But the the dark side to this, Mike, is is around the law itself that the police yeah. were able to do this. So they. They can come and in, into your, or they can ask any driver that they think has been operating a vehicle within three hours under the law to provide a breast sample. Okay, uh, so they could come to your home and say, we believe you were drinking and driving three hours ago and administer a breath test and you could be found 
in contravention of the law. That is absolutely correct. And, but, and what, even, but, in this, but in this case, if she's saying, well, hang on a second, I've, I've been drinking in my own home after I left my car. I haven't been drinking behind the wheel. That doesn't matter? Well, in the old days before December, it did matter. Here's a darker aspect of this law that was passed along with the mandatory screening demands that they've approved in December. And that is, it is a crime. Under the criminal code right now, it is a crime to have a breath, a blood alcohol concentration of over 08 within two hours of operating a vehicle. Let that sink in. That is staggering that the police can show up two hours later and determine you, you blow in that machine. That is a crime under the criminal code. Okay. You also had a, your, your a law firm has also covered other cases of people with uh, challenging uh, BC's impaired driving laws. And I understand you have a constitutional challenge against the law. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, we we filed a constitutional case against uh, the mandatory uh, alcohol demand or mandatory screening demand that they brought in back in December, uh, which is the demand that they used on Lee Lowry and Norma McLeod. That is the one that is been the, the the subject of the constitutional challenge. So, the one other uh, point I should note on this, Mike, is the. The police in the Lowry case showed up and made a mandatory screening demand, meaning that they didn't need any grounds. That's the basis they used it. And, and, and under the law, they don't need any grounds at all. Uh, what, where they went off was that they actually didn't have the legal authority to make that demand. They can only make a demand on a driver who is actually operating a vehicle at the time. So, so we are challenging. the. We are saying... That uh, I mean, I'm of the view that these new mandatory alcohol screening demands are an affront to Canadian democracy. Uh, they are, they're just so far over the edge. I mean, they, 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 police have absolutely no, require no grounds at all whatsoever to stop anybody and make them blow. And as we are seeing now, case after case after case are, are coming up where people are being unfairly penalized and punished for various reasons because they can't actually blow. So with all the, the constitutionality aside, and we're, we're saying that this is an affront to Sections 8 and 9 of the Charter, which prevents arbitrary detention and, and unreasonable searches. Okay, speaking to lawyer Jerry Steele about impaired driving laws in British Columbia, you mentioned the name of another one of your uh, clients, Norma McLeod. Uh, people might remember her case. She's the 76-year-old uh, cancer survivor who had half of her, the roof of her mouth removed because she has uh, mouth cancer and said that she was unable to blow into uh, a roadside screening device. What is the status of that case and the constitutional challenge you have around that? Well, uh, that's before the courts. I mean, we're still awaiting for the, the government appears to be dragging their feet somewhat on, on responding to this. Um, I, I'm a, understandably so, um, but they're, uh, it's, it's pending. We're trying to get it into court as quick as we, as we can so that we can get this heard. Uh, I mean, the faster we do that, the faster we'll yeah. be able to stop you know, these, these abuses that are happening with people being unfairly penalized. Okay, what would you say to someone who would say that drunk driving causes carnage on our roads, <clears throat> hundreds, thousands of people killed from drunk drivers, and that if you've got nothing to hide, you got nothing to fear. If you if you if you're sober behind the wheel, then you got nothing to worry about. If you've been drinking and you've been behind the wheel, then I don't have any problem with with the police going after you aggressively. How do you respond to that? Well, that's a great question. And let me say right on the outset, I am not a fan or in favor of drunk driving at all. Period. Uh -huh. 
Absolutely. But I am a, a fan of due process. And, and there simply is not. And I mean, the, the, it, with, this, with this regime in B.C., I mean, the question you ask is terrific because it highlights some of the differences that we have in B.C. as opposed to Alberta. So the, uh, with the immediate roadside prohibitions, there, there's no judicial oversight. So there's no real if the, the, the safety mechanisms are either inadequate or non-existent. So we, uh, in a criminal case, like if this had been the old days, and like the Norman McLeod had blown into that device and couldn't provide a, a breast sample, well, then what would happen is it would have been forwarded to the Crown Council, who would have actually been able to to review the file, and likely it would have gone nowhere. Uh, you know, as uh, and it would, she would have been exonerated in a court of law. So uh, the, the the as it stands right now. Or, right Right now, they need no grounds. I mean, it, before this law came in, and this is why I think it's excessive and answers your question, is that the, the, low, the, the standard was so low. It was so low. All they needed was re, what was called reasonable suspicion to make somebody blow. And, and, and in order to get there, they needed almost nothing. An odor of alcohol, uh, an admission from the driver, a phone call, somebody saying they called and saw somebody driving drunk or drinking, uh, smell of alcohol in the car, bad driving, anything. But they just had to have something. Right now, they need nothing. So, yeah, in, right? in, the, in the case of your client, Leanne Lowry, she does acknowledge that she had been at a pub and then drove from the pub, right? Now, did she say she had, what, one drink at the pub? That's Is right. That That's right. So she has one drink and goes home, uh, and then she said that she had a couple drinks by the pool. And she offered to show the police what she'd been drinking. She, she invited them in, and they, they were having none of it. Did they? What happened to her after she blew over? Did they take her? Did they take her car away? Yes, her truck. So yes, they did. So she blew. She blew a fail, which yeah. uh, I mean, there's. Uh, it, by the way, it's possible to blow a fail on those ASDs, which it should uh, be another concern. But that's a different for a different day. Um, but she blew a fail, and then they, uh, they 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 she asked for the second test, which they didn't give her, and they took her car. So they impounded her car for for thirty days. She lost her license for three months. She was facing a $500 re uh, penalty and then a $250 reinstatement fee. Uh, bare minimum, she was going to have to take what's called the Responsible Driver Course, or course Program. That's another uh, just under $1,000. So the, 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 the penalties add up very quickly in this. Okay, and you were able to have that overturned. Did she get all that money back? Uh, she get so it was Jen Jen Turner in my office did the did the appeal so we uh, we got the we were able to get the uh, she they have the towing costs and the yeah. uh, towing fees they we get that back um, and then she gets to get her license back and the other penalties uh, go away so she didn't have to do the course or pay the fine um, but a lot of people are if you have any points basically more than two points on your license in the last five years anyone who gets one of these will likely have to deal with uh, ignition interlock program as well which can also be thousands of dollars when do you expect your constitutional challenge to be heard in court we're we're pushing them right now to get it on we want to get it on as quickly as it can and we're we're you know because it's a it's a, a bringing the federal government in we're hoping to have it heard by the end of the year i think we're aiming somewhere around october november if we can get it on i mean if we get on sooner we will we're following it very closely. Thank you for coming on today. Well, you're absolutely welcome. Thanks so much for having me on the air. I appreciate it. Jerry Steele, he is a trial lawyer with Jeremy Carr and Associates in Victoria.